Hello, and welcome to Hope Church. We're a local church with chill style, real faith, and no perfect people allowed. Thanks for checking out our podcast. This is a message from our SoCal location in the Santa Cruz, California area. We hope this message is encouraging. If you live near either of our locations, we'd love to have you join us for one of our many Sunday services. Any other survivors out there? All right. We survived. One of my favorite ones was down in Monterey. Did anyone see this, you know, the merry-go-round there? You saw the metal merry-go-round? Well, it's basically like, you know, a death trap for children. And, uh, you know, it just, you get, you get running on the sides, you get it moving, and then you got to jump on and off. Well, they had one in Monterey that was elevated about four or five feet off the ground with a concrete pier that came out from, like, I mean, we're talking, it's, I, I went back there recently, and they've taken this out, this feature, after we lost a few children. Um, they've taken this feature out, but it had like a concrete pier that came out to a, an elevated merry-go-round. So you could try to jump on while it was moving and possibly just get sandwiched by the metal and the concrete and, or fly off into oblivion. Um, does it seem like parents were less worried about their kids back in the day? Some of us, we grew up in that era, and it feels like the world is getting more and more worried over time, right? Does it feel like that to you? Um, here is the definition of what I think some people have wrestled with in their life is what they call doom scrolling. Have you guys ever heard of doom scrolling? This is, this is the, the new activity. Is um, Definition here is the practice of obsessively checking online news for updates, especially on social media feeds with the expectation that news will be bad such that the feeling of dread from this negative expectation fuels a compulsion to continue looking for updates in a self-perpetuating cycle. Anyone ever, anyone ever caught themselves doom scrolling? Okay, you're not, you're, some of you are brave enough to admit it, but <laughs> the scrolling. People are stressed out. 2023, this is the list of what the biggest stressors that people are dealing with in 2023, October 2023. So, Inflation, or should we start at the bottom or the top? Where do we start? Access to credit, corona, coronavirus is pretty low now. It's pretty cool. <laughs> uh, military conflict, I thought that'd be higher. Uh, maintaining social programs, terrorism, rise of extremism, threats against the environment, moral decline, education, immigration control, taxes, climate change, healthcare, financial political corruption is pretty high. Unemployment, poverty and social inequality, crime and violence, and inflation. If you weren't worried before you came to church, now you are (laughs) reading that. Um, And that's obviously not my intention here, but have you ever been worried? Anyone here? Have you ever struggled with some, the feelings of anxiety? Well, I have a confession to make today. I worry. In fact, just this morning, I was worried because my wife, who wrote this message over the the course of the past month and was so excited to share it, she went down with the flu. In fact, we were at the emergency room last night. And and at the emergency room, I saw two two friends who recently had had suffered from a heart attack. And I heard about another friend who's over at Dominican this morning. And... I woke up not knowing if I was going to teach or if my wife was going to have a miraculous comeback. Um, But here I am, sharing with you this message about worry, 
feeling a little bit worried this morning. You ever, you ever feel a little bit unprepared? Thankfully, I collaborated with my wife on this message a little bit, so I, I'm familiar, but um, you're getting the B team today, sorry. Um, she was going to give a great message, but you've got your stuck with me. Um, and how do we combat worry in the church? Let's talk about this for a second, because I think sometimes for people that struggle with worry or anxiety, you come to church and it can kind of feel like, hey, just be joyful, right? It, it's almost like this bumper sticker theology. You guys have seen these bumper stickers. Don't worry, be happy. Um, too blessed to be stressed. This is a true one, but also it can feel unhelpful sometimes if it's just quoted as a bumper sticker. Perfect love casts out fear. Jesus, take the wheel. Or how about the fear not with the kind of, you know, you guys ever seen that one? The, the sticker that just says, fear not. No Jesus, no fear. Mind over matter. God is my co-pilot. Let go and let God. Not helpful. <laughs> not helpful. My heart, uh, you know, and, and by the way, my name's Danny. And my wife Jenny and I, we help. We're part of a t small team that uh, met in a very small house that had this vision for hope which is now becoming trade winds as we're moving in, into one church in three locations uh, around this vision of multiplication. But um, uh, So we're the lead pastors here. But one of, one of the things that really is important to Jenny and I is that we as a church are a church that has a, the, a healthy theology of mental health because we've experienced churches that, that didn't have that. And, and it kind of feels like when you when you worry or you have anxiety or you struggle that um, you should just pray about it and feel better and that's fine right and so that's not always the most helpful thing for people that are going through times of duress stress worry or anxiety um, and so both my wife Jenny and I have walked a road of learning how to live with this truth that perfect love casts out fear and these truths that where Jesus, we're going to look at this text today where Jesus says, do not worry. In fact, the Bob Marley song was written off of Jesus' sermon. He's talking about birds, and Jesus talks about birds, and he says, don't worry. Um, and yet, we struggle with the tension of living with one foot, knowing these truths on one side, but on the other side, we live in a world that's pretty scary. Like, if you're not a little bit concerned we're concerned about you, you know what I mean? Like, it's concerning. Um, two weeks ago, I was with my son in the hospital. Last night, I was with my wife in the hospital. Um, and I'm going to be honest, I was concerned in those moments. I was worried. I struggled with fear of what could happen. Yet, I don't think Jesus' message is meant to be just a slap on the hand. Don't worry. I don't think Jesus' message is to meant, meant to sound like a God that's ambivalent, that just is like, hey, don't worry. Don't worry. Don't worry about it. There's all these concerns, these things that are in your heart. There's heaviness. Don't worry. But I think it was meant to be something different. And we're going to, thankfully, Jesus has a lot to say about this. And we're studying his most famous sermon called the Sermon on the Mount. It's kind of like a master class with Jesus. And we get to read the words of Jesus, our Savior, 
and hear his heart for us as we read this. If you guys have your Bibles, you can turn there or turn, turn it on uh, if you use the Bible app or we'll put it up on the screens for you here. And the passage is from Matthew 6, 25 through 34. Jesus says, Therefore, I tell you, do not worry. And the word worry here, it, it literally means to choke or mental strangulation. Do not worry about your life, what you will eat or what you will wear, or what you will eat or drink, or about your body, what you will wear. Is not life more than food, body more than clothes? Look at the birds of the air. Do not sow or reap or store away in barns, yet your heavenly Father feeds them. Are you not much more valuable than they? Can any one of you, by worrying, add a single hour to your life? And why do you worry about clothes? See how the flowers of the field grow. They do not labor or spin. Yet I tell you that not even Solomon in all of his splendor was dressed like one of these. There were some flowers that Jesus might have been referencing in the ancient world called anemones, and they were a bright, beautiful purple that ancient readers may have uh, envisioned being the color of royalty, Solomon's robes. Yet these flowers were used, they would dry up, and they would use them as fuel for the oven, oven to, to, to warm up the oven. And so Jesus is using, I love how he teaches, right? That he's teaching, he's using something that you can see visibly and think about to understand these deep truths that how much more does God care about us, right? If that is how God clothes the grass of the field, Jesus says, which is here today and tomorrow is thrown in the fire, will he not much more clothe you, you of little faith? Will he not much more clothe you, clothe you, you of little faith? So why do you worry, saying, what shall we eat, or what shall we drink, or what shall we wear? For the pagans, and that word just means people that don't know God, um, run after all these things. People, our culture, the world, what do, we, what do we do? We run after those things, right? We're worried about what we think we need, and we chase these things. And Jesus knows that, and so he's speaking into this. He says, they run after these things, and your heavenly Father knows you need them. But seek first his kingdom and his righteousness, and all these things will be given to you as well. Therefore, do not worry about tomorrow, for tomorrow will worry about itself. Each day has enough trouble of its own. I love what the New Living Translation says, how, how it ends it. It says, seek the kingdom of God above all else and live righteously, and he will give you everything you need. And the, the, greater, the, greater, part, uh, the greater theme in this sermon is that Jesus is trying to get us to get away from thinking transactionally about God and to think more relationally. And when he says, seek first his kingdom, kingdom means there's a king and dominion, right? So seek first that he would be over our lives, that he would be king over our lives. And that secondly, this word righteous, it means in right relationship. It doesn't mean that you're just going to get it all right and be perfect. I think when we hear righteous, right? You're going to be righteous. You're going to be perfect. But the word righteousness means to be in right relationship. So once again, Jesus is inviting us to think less about God as transactional, but more about him as relational. 
that, he, that we want to be in right relationship with him over our lives, that we're seeking him first, and all these other things will be added to us is the promise that Jesus gives us. What's he saying here? Last week, we talked about money. So I love that Jesus is talking about this because he's, he's really talking about money because he wants to get to our heart. But when we start talking about money, what was the number one fear of people in 2023? Inflation. It's money, right? Because Jesus knows what we're worried about. And he's speaking to that. Following up with worry is not by accident. Jesus knows we will worry. He's addressing it. And we can talk about these things in church. Isn't that cool? And he gives us a pathway and a process that we can walk to, to process things that we're dealing with in this world. The real fears, the real worries. And he cares and he, do, he doesn't want us to live in guilt or isolation. He, want, he invites us to bring those things into our relationship with him. That he knows what we need and that he cares for us and that he can meet us in the midst of this. Sometimes the response in church cannot be helpful because we, we acknowledge um, Jesus says, do not worry. And so the question is, well, is it a sin to worry? And let me just answer that the best I can right now because I think that there's two different things at play here. One is worry that is feeling anxious. Every person on this planet, if they're honest with their emotions, has felt anxious, you've felt worried, you've felt stressed. It's not a sin to feel emotions, friends. It's actually not helpful to deny them. Right? In the same way Jesus, uh, the Apostle Paul speaks and he teaches us, in your anger, do not sin. Right? And, and Jesus even said, like, if you're angry with your brother right, and you've committed murder, well, there is anger that's a sin, but feeling angry is not a sin. In the same way, feeling anxious is not a sin. And, and what, what's the definition of sin? Sin is something that takes us away from God. It puts a separation in our relationship with God. When we choose to dwell on worry, it brings us far away from God. And it takes us away from the power that he has for us to meet us in the midst of that anxiety, that feeling. Does that make sense? It's not a sin to feel anxious. Can I just let you off the hook? For those of us who are struggling, some struggling with debilitating anxiety, I know that you didn't wake up in the morning and say, I think I want to feel anxious today, right? You are struggling with something that you cannot control and that you didn't choose. And, and I believe that God loves you and he meets you in that. It is a type of worry that we can choose to put the worries, the cares of this world over our relationship with God and it brings us further away from God. Does that make sense? Is that helpful? Because when we choose to worry, it leads us to isolation, physically, spiritually, and emotionally. And where worry starts choking us, we get bound up. And um, we, when we're choked up, we cannot focus on God. We're stuck. And Jesus is bringing us back to reality. He's inviting us to come out of this worry, this fear, anxiety, so here's some things we can take away from this passage. If we want to just look at what Jesus said, let's hear his heart for us. 
Um, two things I want to focus on. One is that you are valued. Did you hear that in the passage? You are valued. How much more does your Heavenly Father care for you than these beautiful flowers, right? I mean, you can walk outside in Santa Cruz and see these beautiful redwoods. And you can see these beautiful poppies growing on the cliff and these, this beautiful Monterey Bay and the whales spouting out there, right? And if God cares so much to create so much beauty, how much more does he care about us as his, the people that he's created in his image to be his children, to represent him, to be like him and to become in relationship with him? How much more does he value? Do you believe that? That's the big question today. I want to ask you, do you believe that you are valued, that God sees you as worth? Because the reality is we can hear that, but actually not really believe. There's a lot of things in this world that will tell you otherwise, right? And there's a lot of things in this world that will lie to you about who you are and your worth and your value. But God always tells the truth about who you are. And he's here saying, you're more valuable than all these things. Let's see what the Bible says. Let's read a couple verses from Luke chapter 12. What is the price of five sparrows, two copper coins? Yet God does not forget a single one of them. And the very hairs on your head are all numbered. So do, don't be afraid. You are more valuable to God than a whole flock of sparrows or a flock of seagulls. Psalm 56, you keep track of all my sorrows. You have collected all my tears in your bottle. You have recorded each one in your book. Psalm 139, how precious to me are your thoughts about me, O God. They cannot be numbered. I can't even count them. They outnumber the grains of sand. John 3.16, for this is how God loved the world. He gave his one and only son that everyone who believes will not perish, but will have eternal life. That's how much, I mean, let me tell you, my son is so valuable to me. I mean, you know, when you're, as a parent, when you have a child, you realize that day when you have a son, you realize, I'd die for this kid. I don't even know if he's going to be a good guy. No, he is. And then you have a daughter, and then you realize, I'd kill for her. You just became a murderer overnight. <laughs> kidding, not kidding. Right? And, and would I allow my son to be given, to be killed? That's how much God loves us, that he would go through that. And we're going to talk about that moment when Jesus had the choice to actually go through that or not for us. But he loves us that much. We're that broken that God had to die for us, but we're that loved that he did. The birds, he I love that he talks about the birds. You ever just listen to the birds in the morning when you wake up and you hear them singing outside your window? The flowers, the grass, it's here today and gone tomorrow, but God, God loves us that much more. Do you believe that you're valued? Second thing I want to just two, I have two things that lead to one main point, and this is the second one. Seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. Or as the NLT says, that New Living Translation says, seek the kingdom of God above all else and live righteously. And what does that mean? It means, and, and you have to understand, in the ancient world, they didn't, 
they didn't think in the, the, the linear way that we think. And so when they say, seek first the kingdom, when Jesus says, seek first the kingdom, he's not just saying, like, get up in the morning and pray and then go on with your day. Like, when we hear seek first, like, that's like the first, do that first and then move on. And I think that can be a, a danger in our lives of compartmentalizing our spirituality. Jesus didn't compartmentalize spirituality. When he said, seek me first, he's saying, this is the center of your life. The Lordship, the kingdom of God. He's not just, he didn't just die to save us. He's king. And we live in a different kingdom where he is ruling and reigning over our lives. And so we can put him first in the same way that if we served a king, right, you would do what the king says. And so Jesus is our king and we are part of a different kingdom. And it means, what does it mean? Put him in the center. Everything flows from the center, like your breath. Like the air we breathe. We breathe in, and we breathe out. And he is the center of our lives. And when we allow him to be in the center of our life, his kingdom, we can bring all these things under his reign. We can bring them to him. The way of Jesus is rooted in trust, friends. The way of Jesus is rooted in trust. Is it, is it okay to worry? Is it okay to feel worried? Is it okay to feel anxious? Yes. But when we do feel that way, what we can do with it is we can bring it to God. My grandmother... I come by worry honestly, guys. It's been in my family line. My grandmother was a worrier. But you know what she did? She was also a Jesus follower. And she would take her worries, and she'd sit on her couch, and she would knit or crochet. I'm not really sure if I know the difference. But whatever she did, she would sit there, and she would take her worries, and she'd pour out her heart before God. And I know I, I, she was so sincere. And I imagine her just sometimes having tears as she would knit. And I know that she prayed, prayed for me and worried about me, but she would bring that to the Lord. And she's, she's gone on to be with Jesus in heaven. But um, when I was in high school, and in college, pretty regularly, she'd send me a box. And there'd be like 20 beanies in there. <laughs> she was putting out like some serious quality, quantity, and just cranking it out, you know what I mean? And I know it wasn't because she was just wanting to like produce beanies. She was, she was there on her couch, pouring out her heart before God, probably her tears on these beanies. And I know that I would not be who I am today if it wasn't for a grandma who worried, but also prayed. And so I want to encourage us to look, let's, let's look to Jesus. Thankfully, God gives us an answer. When we feel worried or afraid, what do we do? And if you guys have your Bibles, you can turn to Matthew 26, 35 through 56. And I want to read a passage here 
where Jesus has a panic attack. Did you know that? Do you know that Jesus was human? That he felt afraid? That he felt anxiety? That he felt fear? Like God truly loves us so much that he stepped into humanity, walked in our shoes, and felt even the weight of suffering. And let's look at this passage and see what Jesus can show us. Matthew chapter 26. Then Jesus went with them to the olive grove called Gethsemane. And he said, sit here while I go, pray, go over there to pray. He took Peter and Zebedee's two sons, James and John, and became anguished and distressed. He told them, my soul is crushed with grief to the point of death. Stay here and keep watch with me. He went a little further, farther, and bowed with his face to the ground, praying, my father, if it is possible, let this cup of suffering be taken away from me. Yet, I want your will to be done, and not mine. Remember the Lord's Prayer? Your kingdom come. Your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Jesus is in the ultimate anguish because he knows what he is going to go through. He knows he's going to be betrayed. He knows that he's going to be beaten and humiliated and crushed physically, spiritually, emotionally as he takes on the weight of the wrath of God. That's the, what the cup is, right? Our sins of the whole world, the brokenness of the whole world. Jesus took it on himself knowing and in this moment, knowing what he's up against, it's, uh, he says, my soul is crushed with grief to the point of death. Have you ever experienced soul-crushing grief to the point of death? It was so intense that he sweat, he, blood came down his brow when he sweat. I've never been that anxious. I've never been that worried. I've been worried. I've been anxious. I've been to the point where it's debilitating and I can't get outside of my own thoughts. But I've never experienced anguish to the point that Jesus, he knows what we're worried about. Do you believe that? He feels, he knows. Hebrews 2, 16 through 18 tells us, I'm going to read two passages, one from Hebrew 2 and Hebrews 4. It says, we also know that the Son did not come to help angels. He came to help the descendants of Abraham. Therefore, it was necessary for him to be made in every respect like us, his brothers and sisters, so that he could be our merciful and faithful high priest before God. Then he could offer a sacrifice that would take away the sins of the people since he himself has gone through suffering and testing, he is able to help us when we are being tested. Hebrews 4, 14 through 16. So then, since we have a great high priest who has entered heaven, Jesus, the Son of God, let us hold firmly to what we believe. This, is our, this high priest of ours understands our weakness 
for he faced all the same testings, yet we, we do, yet he did not sin. So let us come boldly to the throne of our gracious God. Then, there we will receive his mercy, and we will have grace to help us when we need it most. I want to end by asking you this question. Can you release, can you trust and release control to Jesus? That's really what he's inviting us into here. He's inviting us to trust him, to resign as general manager of the universe of our own lives, trying to control our own pain, trying to control other people, and truly surrender our lives and release it to him. Danny and I went on a trip. We were part of a mission team to Kenya two different summers many years ago. We're talking 20 years plus ago. Uh, and it was the year that the Taliban bombed the U.S. Embassy while we were in Nairobi. Super gnarly, right? It was scary. However, we were not afraid. Do you know why? Here, go back to the first one. There's Jenny. We asked these kids if they want to receive Jesus, and they all, like, there's like 100 of them that raised their hand. So this guy in the middle with the glasses, like sitting right over Jenny's shoulder, standing right over Jenny's shoulder, his name is Walt Jordan. He's a special weapons expert. Like, you know, like Liam Neeson? I have a special set of skills. He was hired by different governments to come in and train the government of Jordan, to train special, op, special ops, and he was packing heat with our team. And how many of you guys know, we, were, we weren't worried because we had Walt with us. I knew he would like, I knew he knew jinjitsu, fu, and he had weapons on him to protect our team. But how silly is that, that we would feel safe with a man when the reality is we walk through this life and Jesus is saying, fear not, for I am with you. And then here's, a, here's a, just, a, just a cool picture to close out this message here, but just something to think about. I mean, th this, this is all the, the kids were, were raising their hands. I don't know who got this shot, but it's amazing because we were doing this like, hey, do you want to receive Jesus in your heart? And somebody got Jenny's shot right in the middle there. Um, and then check out this next slide here. Okay, so right before this, my job was to go run. It's going to sound crazy. But my job was to go, the generator blew out. We were getting ready to do this big uh, like meeting. And hundreds, there was like over 1,000 people there that had gathered from all over the community. Because like, if you do anything like that, you show up there. And uh, you know, we were gringos from California showing up and doing this. We were going to do these, uh, these skits and do some music. And all these people showed up. And right before this, the gathering, the generator went out. And so, like, the guy that I am, I decided I'm going to run and try to find a place I can plug this power cord into. And so you're, you're going to think I'm crazy, but this is like, really happened. I literally am running with this power cord, trying to find a place to plug it in. And I had no place to plug it in. There was nowhere to go. I'm, I'm looking. I'm somewhere to go, and I decided to drop it and walk back. 
And as they drop it and walk back, the sound went on. I have no idea how that happened. And I came back and I said, hey, you guys, it's not plugged into anything. And we went on and we carried on. And I love that the banner right there says, for the kingdom of God is not a matter of talk, but of power. How much more? I mean, if we take comfort knowing that there's a strong guy, Walt Jordan, with us, how much more can we take comfort knowing that God is with us? His power is greater than anything we can do, we've ever seen. I mean, he created all of this, everything. If you don't believe that, I think it takes more faith, right? To believe that everything came from nothing. That's a pretty amazing nothing. Sounds like God, right? And God created everything. 1 John 3.20 says, God is greater than our feelings, and he knows everything. There's a lot more that I could share with you about this. It's been a journey that Janie and I have walked together, and I just want to encourage you, if you, if you need help, um, there's people here that can pray with you and walk with you, and there's resources that we can help you with. But I just want to ask you that question today because I think ultimately that applies to all of us, right? Can you trust and release control to Jesus? Will you choose to do that with me today? We hope this message encouraged you to take the next steps in your relationship with God. The cool thing is that you don't have to do it alone. There are a lot of ways you can get connected here at Hope. Not only do we want you to feel at home at Hope, we'd love to help you find a home. Please check out discoverhope.church and click connect or just email us at info at discoverhope.church. Lastly, we give everything we can away for free and rely 100% on volunteers donations to support this ministry. If you'd like to give to the Mission of Hope Church, you can select the Give option on our website or text any amount to 831-800-2060. Thanks again for tuning in.